You're listening to The Bomb Girls Beacon, a podcast dedicated to the television show Bomb Girls. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Annie. And I'm Stephanie. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Bomb Girls movie, Facing the Enemy. So if you haven't seen that and everything that came before it, turn back now. Because there can be spoilers. And just to give a, a brief little bit of history, this episode, we want to talk a little bit about the Canadian Women's Army Corps, since it it was uh, featured kind of prominently in the Bomb Girls movie. And it was established in 1941 so that women could take over a lot of the non-combatant roles in the military, such as mechanics and secretaries and clerks. And over 21,000 women enlisted during the course of the of World War II. Most of these women served in, in Canada, but some served overseas, first in the United States and then in the UK and, and Europe toward the end of the war. And we just want to say... According to the Canadian War Museum's website, no members of the Canadian Women's Army Corps were killed in action, though four were wounded in a German missile attack on Antwerp in 1945. And then the Canadian Women's Army Corps was disbanded during the Korean conflict, reformed afterwards, and then disbanded for good in 1964 when women were integrated into the Canadian Armed Forces. Interesting. I thought so. Very informative. (laughs) Especially that part about how no CWACs were killed in action during the war. I thought that part was really interesting, didn't you? <sighs> interesting in the sense that, why, show, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> why must you bend history like that? <laughs> Not historically accurate, show. No, Vera, why? <sighs> <sighs> and so, yeah. We are talking about bomb girls facing the enemy, and I think we were all pretty excited for this. And so, <laughs> yeah. So let's let's do first impressions. Stephanie, you want to go ahead? I liked it. I quite enjoyed it. I liked getting to see our our our, our ladies and our guys again. I liked seeing the progression in their their storylines. I thought that each character got a nice little little bit of story, even though clearly it focused mostly on Gladys. And and I just, I generally enjoyed it. I thought there's some really good moments in, in the movie. Annie? I really loved it. I thought it was a great, you know, first there was a little summary of where every character was coming from and that previously on Bomb Girls. And then it got into Gladys's story, but as Stephanie said, really included every character and their journey, where they had ended and where they were kind of going. And I love how they all work together at the end to go against this common threat, how Gladys brought in Lorna and Betty and Kate and that whole wonderful group that we've all grown to know and love. And they all, you know, fought the common enemy together. That was just awesome. And there are a lot of little bits here and there that I really liked and just spectacular acting as well. So I was very happy. I actually have sort of mixed feelings about it. Overall, I really liked it. I did. I mean, anybody who's talked to me at length about Bomb Girls, I've probably mentioned to them that basically I get to the last episode, I finish with it, and I go, no, I want more. And I start over from the beginning of the series. So I think a large part of my reservations are that I I need more. But I always need more. So... Not really so much the fault of the movie itself. But I do feel like really I wanted more group interaction. I understand that they, you know, needed to focus more on Gladys and the spying stuff, you know, needed to focus on a single plot because it's it's two hours instead of a season. And I get that. But 
I don't know. The more I think about it, I, I'm sad, especially that we didn't get. I don't think we really got a scene with with Betty and Lorna, did we? No, not not just no. a scene with the two of them. Which kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I always love their scenes. But anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, we didn't get a one-on-one scene with Betty and Mrs. Corbett. And at some point, I think it's when they're writing the letters to Vera, Betty actually calls Mrs. Corbett Lorna, which sounded weird. I'm like, no, 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 Betty always calls her Mrs. Corbett. What's this Lorna stuff? Anyway. I was having and, that issue, too. Like, why is everybody calling her Lorna? This feels really weird to me. <laughs> so I do wish we'd gotten a scene between the two of them. And I wish that we had gotten a scene with like Gladys and Kate and Betty hanging out. Like that was some yeah. of my favorite. Those are some of my favorite scenes on the series is when they're just sort of hanging out at the rooming house or something like that. Like one of the episodes ends with all three of them kind of lying in bed together, sharing a cigarette. And that's one of my favorite moments of the series. Right. So I do wish we had gotten more, especially interaction between those three. Right. We talked about that scene in, in the Gladys episode, and I'm sure I'm going to bring it up during the Betty and Kate episodes also, because I, I love that scene. That is, it's an iconic scene for the series. Yeah, and that was the only thing that I had, well, little issues with, with the whole plot with Gladys is the plot that drives the movie forward, and there can really only be one A plot. So that has to be the vehicle. There does have to be a lot of scream time allotted to that. And yeah, it was at the sacrifice of Gladys just being able to relax and hang out with her friends, but she can't because she's so wound up in this movie of finding out who's the saboteur. And although, you know, I mean, at least it was a relief that the movie didn't go what I would call a tired old trope and go, oh, what if it's Betty or oh, what if it's Kate or something like that. So I was glad at least that didn't happen. But we all knew that it was immediate, or we all immediately knew that it was Helen, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's part of my other issue is that here we get Helen and we get Jacob, and I'm like, less new people, more old people. Exactly. Not old people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We original know characters. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, definitely. I, I wish that there had been more interaction between sort of our core group. But at the same time, like, I, I liked it for what it was for what it did rather than because mm-hmm. I try to things, judge things not on my expectations for it, but what it actually does. And I think what it set out to accomplish, it did really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have had this conversation many times where I'm usually the one arguing that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're both arguing that point. But again, I'm, I think, probably too emotionally invested in this show. <laughs> and it has completely skewed my my better judgment. <laughs> but that's the great you know, point of all shows is that you get emotionally invested and that's what makes a show good. So even if we're not 100% neutral, then that's fine too. So, I mean, I have a different perspective because I'm a newbie to the show. So for me, I was just like, wee, McAndrews feels, but, you know. (laughs) But I thought it was very suspenseful, very well done for the time allotment it had. I don't know how well it worked for people who had never seen Bomb Girls, though. But let's be honest, it's not for them. Yeah, yeah. Not that I I don't think they wouldn't enjoy it if they watched it. Never mind. So let's talk a little bit about each of the characters' sort of storylines in in the movie. So Gladys got center stage in the movie, and I I, I didn't dislike the spying stuff as much as I feared I might. (laughs) I was worried that I wouldn't wouldn't care for it so much, but it wasn't so bad. She managed to... I because I, I actually did like Jacob, even though Gladys really didn't need another love interest. I did actually quite like Jacob. 
Yeah, I mean, is it just me or does Gladys go through love interests faster than I go through Brita filters? <laughs> no, she does. It's like a freaking revolving door of endless damaged men. Which we've talked about. I wish I had gotten a better sense of whether she and Clifford were still having a thing when he died. Because she didn't seem all that upset if they had <laughs> been having a thing. Yeah, I so guess. Maybe, but maybe it's just a little, I don't know. His bad accent might have so put her off that she could have just ended it. I mean, my only disappointment with the beginning of the film is that's the first line we have to hear is Clifford Perry's incredibly bad accent. Sorry, apologies again, Tom O'Pennicott, you're a beautiful man and actor, but I hate that accent. Ten minutes. And, and, it took her ten minutes to bring it up. I know, I know. <laughs> and here's my, this is the only surprisingly thing. surprisingly is longer than he lasted in the movie. That's mm -hmm. true. I, I was expecting him to last longer and to be her cohort. And then I was like, oh, where are they going to work in this other new guy? So it was kind of surprising when the dark came and hit him. I was like, oh, he just knocked out, right? I'm all, oh, no, he's dead? Damn. Okay. Well, that was a bullet. On. I was going to say, it was, with a dart. A it was a oh, bullet. It was a bullet? Oh, okay. I thought it was a dart. I thought it was like a poison dart. Okay, so it was a bullet. <laughs> okay, Why no more I bad accent. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so terrible, I know. But my only other disappointment about the movie uh, from the spy stuff is that we see uh, Gladys do all this shooting and see what a good marksman she is, and she didn't actually get to shoot anything. I mean, besides the target. It kind of would have been cool. You know, that was just me. But I I'm okay with little violence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's not... It's not like we're watching Alias or anything, you know. I know, I know, but it it would have been kind of kind of cool. So <laughs> at least at least with violence, I was totally expecting Lorna to slap Helen when she said, uh, you know, when she asked her why she supported Hitler or something like that. I was like, oh, slap her, Lorna. She's responsible for killing your Vera. But anyway, I totally wanted Lorna to, to you know just break her cool and slap Helen, but that didn't happen. I would have preferred that violence. Andy's just wanting people to like be mean to each other. Dang. All in a good cause, though. All for the Allied forces. <laughs> so, what did you think, Chris, about the the spy storyline? Did it did it work okay for you? For the most part, it did. It, it is one of those things. I guess, if any reservations, as always, it is that it feels sort of further away from where the series began. Mm -hmm. You know, but I mean that was true during the second season also. So I, like you, Stephanie, thought that, you know, at least it wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I was expecting to be more bothered by it. Or, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, to put it this way, it was the plot vehicle, but it 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 didn't completely dominate the entire movie as, as far as I feared it would. And you still had right. the heart and the friendship of... You know, you had Lorna's nobility and wanting to take care of her girls and Betty's sass and all of those wonderful things still showcased and each having their own little bits in the movie and playing an important part in the movie besides just the plot. So in that sense, I was thinking the script was really balanced or as balanced as it could be. So what did what did y'all think of, of Jacob? I mentioned I liked him. What did y'all think of him? He was all right. I liked him for the most part. I feel like... Because I, I feel like he actually seemed like a pretty good match for Gladys, especially when he revealed that he was involved with an activist group. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, mm. I, I'm kind of like, I think what Gladys maybe needs is like a nice Jewish socialist boy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that Jacob's a socialist, but, you know, he at least said he was a, an activist. And I feel like maybe that's a good a good match for Gladys. Yeah, and that he didn't eat bacon. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I thought he was all right. I think they did as much character development as they could with him in uh, 90 minutes. And yeah, but at, at the point, though, where she, you know, she says, oh, it's Gladys. And I was at that point, though, I was rolling my eyes going, oh, God, here comes yet another man, you know. So I kind of wish the Bomb Girl scripts would work on developing other love stories sometimes with our characters or putting more screen times towards those scenes. But again, this was the A plot. So, But yeah, Clifford was all right. He wasn't, I don't know, he wasn't annoying, put it that way. He was a pretty straight arrow. And Do you I mean like- Jacob? Oh, Jacob, sorry. See, I always get the names wrong. And I think once we got past the red herring that he might have been the saboteur, he was he proved loyal and was a good he was just okay. Didn't didn't really impress me one way or the other. Just kinda neutral. But I, I liked that he really treated Gladys like an equal, mm-hmm. which is not something the male characters on the show often do. Mm-hmm. And I I liked that he kind of vouched for her to Oh, shoot. I'm blanking on, it, on the character's name. Ryan Lemke's character. Is it Davis? Davis, yes. Davis, yeah. Yeah, he vouched for her for Davis saying, I trust her. She can go into the, the bomb factory. I, I think she'll do a good mm-hmm. job. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like like Jacob was a good equal for Gladys. Mm-hmm. So I confess I wouldn't have remembered Davis's name if Sally hadn't mentioned it to me earlier. Yeah, me, me ah. neither. <laughs> but I kept saying during the whole movie, I'm like, Ryan Lemke, go away. Go away. You do not get in between McAndrews. You oh, already did enough. Lemke. His name is Anthony Lemke. Oh, played, Anthony Lemke. Yes, yeah, right. He played, he played Ryan, Ryan Lambert on yeah. Lost Girl. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool how he was the saboteur and was smart enough to know what Kate was up to. You know, I just thought, oh, you know, typical man. He might just fall under what Kate's, you know, Kate's persuasions. But I like that there was an element of danger there, you know that because he was a spy and he wouldn't just fall for anything so but yeah the guys were the new characters were okay i i think what i liked the most in the gladys plotline liked slash was kind of heartbreaking was seeing gladys's interactions with lorna because mm-hmm. she lorna was really the person that gladys had to be the most deceitful with Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to see how much she had to push Lorna away in order to keep her cover. Yeah. And I mean, their their opening confrontation that they have where Gladys basically lies about having a pregnancy, that that whole scene was heartbreaking. But it was one of those things, it was heartbreaking in a way where your, part of your brain is also like, but that's really smart of Gladys. <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant bit of writing, both Mm -hmm. to demonstrate Gladys's smarts and and the fact that they brought back that storyline in in a new emotional way. That was my thoughts exactly, because Gladys had to think on her feet and she had to think what was the one, unfortunately, what was the one place she could hit Lorna where she was vulnerable and know that to get Lorna to think that she was telling the truth and yet get her off her tail was to mention a miscarriage. And it was such, you know, it's a lot of it's without dialogue, such great acting by Meg and by Jodie Balfour, just the reaction, you know, that Lorna has when she says that it's when she said it was a miscarriage. But then later Lorna tries to help her and brings back the books from the library and then is concerned about her and potentially hurting oh, herself with a gun. I thought and all it that. was also great in that scene. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I thought oh, it was sorry. also great in that scene where Lorna 
question Gladys if it might have been Jean's child. I was like, oh, yeah. that's, that was good show. I, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that Lorna's mind might have gone there, but that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally thought her mind was going to go there because they included the stay away from my son in the previously on. Mm-hmm. And they never yeah. bring stuff into the previously on unless it's going to be relevant during the episode or in this case, the movie. Which is why I don't watch the previously ons. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes the previously ons are misleading, but in this case they weren't. So, yeah. But, but yeah, I just, I was so heartbroken by how Lorna just kept trying and trying and Gladys had to keep trying to Pushing find new away. and painful yeah. ways to push her away. So I was so happy when out of all people, Gladys says she has to go to Lorna for the truth and that Lorna was accepting enough for it. You Man, know? that scene in, in the basement, the basement hallway. Yeah. That hurt me in my soul. Yeah. It was, it was really rough, but I thought they were some really, like Annie said, really well acted, really well written scenes between Gladys and Lorna. Which is why it hurt me in my soul. Yeah. And it was especially hard to watch them, I think, because we'd, it, it, it had taken so long for Gladys and Lorna to, co- to become to on good trust terms. trust each other. Yeah. Right. To, so to see her, Gladys have to push Lorna away in this respect was just really mm-hmm. difficult. And especially since we talked about that in the episode that we just recorded, like it was fresh in my mind how sort of difficult that relationship had been. Yeah. And so to watch that interaction, especially at the beginning where Lorna's talking to Gladys about, oh, you know, I was so proud of you and, and yeah. oh, that Gladys, she's one of the good ones. And, and I'm just mm. like, my feelings. I yeah. have so many of them. <laughs> and that she went behind her back anyway and called her cousin. She's like, no, it has to have been a mistake because she's so concerned for her. And what cut me the most is when Gladys said to Lorna, I'm not one of your girls. And I was like, no, yeah. <sighs> but we worked so hard to get here. <laughs> so, but I was so afraid at the end when Gladys revealed everything to Lorna when she said, can I come in? That Gladys was just going to slam the door in her face. So I was glad when it cut to them at the table and she told her everything. Although I kind of wish that scene had been shown where she told her everything. And then Lorna's just being Lorna. She's like, well, what can I do? I'm not a spy. I'm like, no, Lorna, you do so much more. You're like the glue that holds everything together. Of course you're going to, you know, and then everybody working together at the end. Oh, my God, it just my feels. And so speaking of Lorna, then, holy crap, she got fired. I loved that scene. I loved that scene where she finally really stuck up for herself. I loved that scene stuck up for herself and for her girls that she loves all the more than like they're like her kids you know but how's she going to protect them if she's not there i know but it was she was like no more and i'm like "Mm, you go (laughs) and it was just she's like what are you gonna do (laughs) okay she's fired she's like well still somebody clearly needs to tell you how to do your job but I really liked Lorna basically telling the owner of the factory to to stick it. It was yeah. a, I, yeah, I just really love that she finally stuck up for herself when Mr. Aikens is like, you just have to say you're sorry. It'll be okay. And she's just like, no, that'd be lying. Mm-hmm. I'm not sorry. Yeah. It is and rather I, cathartic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- that whole scene. I thought that just was a really great scene for her. And it was great to see, I mean, not great, but it was just, it was great continuity for me to see. Her and Bob alone at home, and Sheila's gotten married now to, I forget her husband's name, Ned. and that Ned, and that they're accepting, and that, and that Bob, you know, you see him like kind of learning to walk again. 
And I felt so bad for Gladys along with her, uh, or Gladys, I felt so bad for Lorna because along with the Gladys storyline, you kind of see the shift in the character where this is before the explosion and you see her watching Ned with Bob and you kind of see it on her face with Meg Tilly going, God, my girls are growing up and maybe Gladys doesn't want me anymore. And Bob, you know, the house is empty and Bob's maybe going to be able to do everything himself by himself soon. And will anybody need me anymore? That's what I kind of felt was Lorna's, you know, that's what she was wondering kind of in the middle of the movie. And then the explosion happens. She's like, uh-uh, I'm not taking this anymore. I am going to stick up for myself and for my girls. It doesn't matter what the consequences are because I don't want another person killed or hurt. You know, it's not about me. It's about uh, the people around me that I want to protect. So, yeah. But also in that following the explosion, we get the scene where Bob rushes in and mm-hmm. she says to him, you know, will you still need me? Yeah. Isn't that what she says? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's something like that. Because yeah. she says, you're you're so strong, will you still need mm-hmm. me? Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah. I mean, that does come back to the earlier scene with watching him. And, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you can yeah. see it on her face, that, that worry. And so it's nice that they did actually resolve that within the movie, too. Yeah, because she's a character who doesn't know what to do if she's not taking care of somebody. But I find it so ironic at the end with Gladys where she was saying, well, what can I do? I'm like, she, she doesn't, she underestimates her own importance, which is sometimes I think what a, what a mother figure does. So. Well, I feel like Sheila leaving and getting married, definitely Lorna started the movie feeling, having some empty, emptiness syndrome. Mm-hmm. The fact mm-hmm. that, you know, she also had Bob who wasn't her child, but, you know, did need help from her a lot. Also becoming more independent. Right. Had been reliant on her. Mm-hmm. And then Gladys also throwing in, you know, I'm not your girl. I'm not one mm-hmm. of your girls anymore. I, definitely, Lorna was just feeling really adrift because Lorna, Lorna really thrives on taking care of people, having people that she's protective of, and she doesn't need to be in that position anymore for for many of the, those people in her life. And definitely, yeah. I feel like that was was making her feel uncomfortable and like she didn't have a purpose anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Betty was gone, and Kate had had this newfound confidence, and Vera was with Marco. So all the core characters that she really took care of were had gone off in these different directions by the time the in the time in between the series ended and the movie started, which is about five months, I think. And I did really like seeing her and Bob still on an upswing. They 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 start out the series just so bitter toward each other, and I'm I'm glad that we continue to see their relationship improve. I think it has to have been more than five months, right? Oh, really? Is it? Okay. Maybe I read it wrong. Well, Sheila was fairly really, pregnant. Really pregnant. <laughs> oh, she okay. was She was married and looked at least like six months pregnant. Okay. It was more than that then. Yeah. I was, I was actually going to ask that. How many months was it supposed to have elapsed? Do you remember? I can't remember. Like I said, I might have. I don't know. They never said, okay. as far as I could tell. They, they just they started just off saying ni- it was 1943. 1943 yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was wondering what the timeline was for for the first season, which it ends with Pearl Harbor, and then when does the second season take place, and when does the movie start? So if anybody has that timeline, maybe we can link to it in the show notes. Well, we talked about it a little bit before. I think it is, I think it sounds like it's two or three months or something between seasons okay. one and two, right? Yes. Didn't we determine that at some point? Or Yeah, it's not too assume. long, though, because... because Lorna says she isn't quick yet. 
in her pregnancy. So it's not too right. long. It's only like a couple months or so. Right. Mm-hmm. I knew there okay. was a reason I thought that. And that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about Vera and Marco. Why? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that they were going to get married. I'm glad that they were together. And it was great to see Marco's family again. And again, continuity and their storyline. Right. And a little bit of closure on that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was great to see his family again. And although I'm kind of wondering the backstory of why his father was released, I guess it was the whole turn towards the attitude towards Italians and Joe DiMaggio enlisting, which they mentioned, and then the argument about Marco enlisting. So it was nice to see the family together before they got into an argument about Marco. But then Vera's storyline of why she felt the need to go and enlist and why she felt not just being a bomb girl wasn't enough. Was it because of everybody going in these different directions, do you think? With, you know, Betty being gone and Gladys working on a different shift and things like that. I was kind of wondering what would the genesis of Vera wanting to do more was. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like it makes sense for her story that we've, I mean, we've seen her take such pride as we were talking about in in the first episode she has her accident at the factory and Lorna calls her a soldier and mm-hmm. we see her be really she really responds to that and then there's that whole storyline of surviving through the hardship of the accident and the surgery after the accident and going back to work and realizing that she's really smart and good at all the office work and organizing things. And and then we see the the whole storyline about the, the patriotutes, they call them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, it's, it's this patriotism that we keep seeing throughout the series. And so to me, it still makes sense that Vera would do this. Not that I necessarily saw it. I mean, I didn't see it coming at all, but it still makes sense to me. I agree. I, I think the... The seed was planted maybe with Mrs. Corbett calling her a soldier. And then, especially when she's going through her patriotute phase, the conversation that she has with the National Guardsman who joined up just because he had to and he really wasn't willing to go overseas and her reaction to what she really perceived as his cowardice. It makes sense to me that she would have eventually maybe have this feeling of, am I being cowardly by not joining up and trying to do more? with the military. So I, I, yeah, I agree with you, Chris. I didn't see it coming, but it makes sense to me if I think about Vera's storyline. Right. Well, you guys are reminding me. I mean, the storyline was, is that they wanted her in the office, but still kind of in the background because they, they don't want her around when visitors come around because they don't want to remind them of the dangers of working in the factory. So Vera might've felt like, well, I can't work on the line anymore because it's too traumatizing, but I can work in the office and I'm good at it, but only to a certain extent. So I want to do more. You know, if I go and enlist, people don't care about so much what I look like, just that I'm doing my patriotic duty. I disagree. I feel like Vera was much more confident in how she looked. Like if we noticed, if you noticed her hair was worn differently, where it was just pulled back from her face in the mm-hmm. series, she was wearing it so that her curls were hiding her scar. But in this, in the film from the beginning, She's okay with it. So I feel like she's gotten to an okay place in regards to her appearance. So I don't know if it's necessarily having to do with that. I think a lot of that was sort of changing to during the patriotute phase. 
because, I mean, there were a couple of soldiers who she kind of looked like she was sort of half hiding it and like they didn't care because Vera's awesome. Mm-hmm. She's embracing her awesomeness. Well, I think, uh, no, the point that I was trying to make, too, is not just how she looked, but that she could do something more besides office work, as good as she is at it, that she can enlist. So, mm-hmm. But I did really enjoy seeing Vera clearly more, more comfortable with her scar and not feeling like she needed to hide it. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. And um, the scene where she says goodbye to Marco and the girls... And they're like, wait, you're not saying goodbye. Uh, you know, she turns around and they're all there. And I'm like, oh, just baby tear up a little bit. And, then, and I thought she looked awesome in her uniform. Oh, yes, yes. I loved it. <sighs> Me and a girl in uniform. Yes, I like girls in uniform. And then where they say goodbye in the cab, you guys were noting that it's a role, it's a role reversal where Marco says, I'll wait for you. And he gives her the ring. I really enjoy that, too. And the last shots of her driving away, I'm like, Please don't let that be the last time we see Vera. Don't leave us, Vera. I just had a bad feeling. <laughs> Annie and I are very emotional about this movie, it sounds like. <laughs> it sounds like it. So it just... But then it was so heartbreaking when Marco got the letter and he read it out loud. And Which letter? Uh, the telegram. The, the one noti- from Vera or the one about Vera? The one about Vera. And, and again, it's a role reversal but that he read it out loud so that everybody could hear it because everybody there knew her and loved her. And then that beautiful rip by heart out montage where Kate is singing and everybody is shown grieving as they hear the news is, <sighs> as you say, why show? Was it at the first episode of the series where Edith gets the letter about her husband? I believe mm-hmm. so. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it is. They're sort of bookending here. Yeah. Not that we want this to be the end. We want more. We want more. No. Just no more Vera's getting killed by U-boats and defunct yeah. I, saboteur I'm really machinery. Disappointed that they killed Vera. I didn't mind them sending her off to the to the CWAC. I think I thought that was a, a good choice. But I really don't understand why they had to kill her. Yeah, I don't know. Especially since it was not something that happened historically it'd be one thing if they were trying to replicate you know the feeling of the time or something like that but it doesn't sound like any of the women who served in the canadian women's army corps were actually killed in enemy act by enemy action that we know of i don't really understand and it is one of those things like in this movie alone they killed off three at least recurring characters Mm -hmm. yeah because they killed clifford they called ivan and they killed vera yeah. yeah, that's a pretty high body count for... That's a lot. Two hours. Yeah. yeah, And I, I, I feel like they may be, especially if they get another movie or if they get picked up for to be a show again on Netflix or something, they really miss the opportunity of being able to explore the the experience of the of the women who are in the Canadian Women's Army Corps through Vera's character. And I'm kind of disappointed exactly. about that. Yeah. 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 Because like we, you, you could have had scenes with Vera cut with scenes of... Marco and the girls writing or talking on the phone or, you know, until they came together again or something, you know, just to show the different ways, which is kind of the point of the series, different ways that women contributed to the war. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it's like, yes, it has to be for dramatic effect. We'll sh- we're showing the realities of war. We're going to kill off a major character. But still, did you have to do it that way? I mean, at least it was off screen, thank God. But 
you know, that makes it almost worse because it's in your imagination. But yeah, it was just, I feel like, you know, they almost shot themselves in the foot there because if they get picked up again, we're missing this marvelous character, this terrific actress. And it's like, you, you can't put that back, you know? It's like, you can't fix it. So. And it's revealed that she wasn't on the boat after all. <laughs> they, yeah, yes, exactly. please and yeah. thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, please and thank you. <laughs> there, I just solved your problem for you. Yes. Oh, actually, she was found, you know, floating in the sea months well, later. you know, if <laughs> I am living in denial until I have cause not to. If that freaking, <laughs> you know, which I admit I own just because of the battle scenes, if that freaking sappy-ass love story in Pearl Harbor can be rectified by he got picked up by a French fishing boat, then, you know, after he got shot down, then sure, Vera can be found floating in the water and is totally safe. There Spoiler we go, French for Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah, except, by the way. <laughs> Canadian fishing boat. Come on. Yeah. Make it happen. There you go. But as as for Marco, I thought they they gave him a really nice little storyline for this movie because we, we saw throughout the series his frustration with attitude towards Italians and his wanting to but not being able to enlist. And I like that they came back around to that, but this time what the conflict was was amongst his family. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a really great scene where we see them arguing about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, you know, it still feels true, that moment, or that conflict. It it feels valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how it was so, his, how his mom's reaction when he enters at the end and sees him in uniform. But I think he would have been more motivated, possibly, after Vera's death to join up. Which is why it kind of feels like Vera got fridged. <laughs> fridged. Yeah. <laughs> What's fridged? Women in refrigerators. Oh, fridged. Yes, yes. Yeah, we've talked about it over on our on our other podcast, Drinks the Doll. But there's this this idea of of women in refrigerators that comes from comic books, where it's essentially women are killed, usually in really horrendous ways, simply to further the story of a male character. And so it kind of feels like Vera was killed just to like motivate Marco even more to join the to join the army or to join the military. Vera was killed by a refrigerator passing by at 90 miles an hour. Yes. her off screen. The metaphorical okay. refrigerator. <laughs> yep. No, in my mind, it's a real refrigerator that just ran the U-boat off the... Anyway, so... Well, they weren't on the U-boat. That's the Germans one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> refrigerator dropped down and smacked her. But she's still alive. The U-boat of- fired a refrigerator at them. There we go. Yeah. There we go. And it hit but Vera. Vera's still alive because of the Canadian fishing boat. So there yes. we go. <laughs> Come on, Bomb Girls writers. Why aren't you hiring us? <laughs> refrigerator, make an awfully effective bomb. But I really loved the the moment where Betty was coming back to work for the first time and she and Kate were walking up the ramp and Donald was giving them a hard time and Betty was totally about to turn around and like slug him. And Marco comes up behind her and it's just like, you know, men can be such jerks. Thank God for Italians. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love how he always sticks up for his girls. (sighs) But I I think in that moment, really, he was protecting Donald. (laughs) I think what would have... And then there was another moment where she was going to slug him, and yeah, she would have. Oh, Donald. Yeah. I hate that guy. (laughs) 
Dickie Donald. Which is why he's there, I know. But Yes. Yes, he's just there to be odious. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed Marco's little storyline. We didn't see a heck of a lot of him. But yeah, mm-hmm. like like people said, I like seeing him and Vera together. And I, I liked his conflict with his family. And I'm curious if they do get another movie or a TV show, how they're going to handle him being enlisted if it means we won't see him anymore. Yeah. No. And then there's dear sweet Kate, who, since the last time we saw her, she's gained a lot of confidence. And she's performing regularly at the Duel Box, it sounds like. Looks great in those evening gowns. I'm pretty sure that's the same dress from the second season when she performed. It was. Uh, It was. I liked that we saw some costume pieces repeated. One of the dresses that Lorna wears when she's on, I think when she's on the phone. With her cousin at how at their at her house, she was wearing a dress that she wore several times during the series. Mm-hmm. Though Betty had a new hat. Was I the <laughs> only one? I did not like that new hat. I know. I I don't know how to feel about the new hat. See, I don't deal well with change. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm super attached to the sort of burgundy hat. Yes. From the beginning of the second season, I really like that one too. I would. Mm. I was hoping it'd make another appearance. That hat's pretty awesome. But back to Kate. <laughs> But back to Kate. Yeah, she definitely was more confident in this in the, in the movie. Uh, she her flirting skills have really come along since mm-hmm. she was trying to flirt with Jean, which is not hard, right? I mean, no. <laughs> oh, Marco giving Kate the the flirting lessons. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes with Marco, by the way. <laughs> her fake laugh. Yes, but the way she was sort of, you know. She was getting some shoulder action in there when she was talking to Davis. I was like, oh, Kate, you've, you've picked up some techniques. Very nice. Meanwhile, I'm giving him the evil eye. Stay away, stay away, stay away, Davis. Poor Anthony Lemke gets all my stink eyes. And we only got a little snapshot of Leon. I wish that they had gotten some, some dialogue between him and Kate, but it was nice to see Leon accompanying her on the piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah. am sad we didn't get more Leon. I like Did, Leon a lot. Wasn't I like Leon he there a lot at too. the end in the last scene, though, too. So it's nice that he was there at the funeral. Oh, I didn't notice if he was at the funeral. It would have been. I thought I, he was. It would have been nice if he was. It's possible. I just didn't notice. Yeah, but definitely he was accompanying Kate. I'd seen more of them together. Yep, his songbirds taking flight. And a lot of Kate's storyline ha- is about people from the past coming back into her life, both with with Ivan and with Betty, and. Poor, poor Ivan, man. Okay. And not only did he have a tragic mustache, but... It wasn't that bad. Oh, I didn't think it was that bad either. It's it was not a as bad, bad as the accent. <sighs> Let it go, Annie. It was a no. bad hipster mustache. I'm sorry. I know he's not technically a hipster because it's the 1940s, but it was a bad mustache. Pretty much, I feel like most white men can't wear a mustache without looking like a pedophile. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And how do you really feel, Stephanie? <laughs> Jesus, you blame me for the accent talk. But I'm only going to talk about the mustache once. Ha ha. So, <laughs> sure. So he has he has the tragic mustache, and then we see him get completely duped again by a woman that he not only dates but marries, and then he's killed. Well, once once uh, when Gladys was kind of trying to subtly interrogate him about Helen, and I'm like, oh, you poor poor man. And then, and then, you know, I'm I'm freaking out in that scene in the cantina when the pen's rolling around. I'm like, no, no, Betty, no, Kate, no, wait, no, Gladys. And then Ivan, and I'm like, oh, that poor man. But yeah, it's just, uh, and then just 
dies choking on his own blood, I was like, oh, poor Ivan. But I thought it was kind of sweet to see... I wasn't expecting them to bring Ivan back, and but I'm glad that they did. I, I liked mm-hmm. that we got to see Kate try to address some of that hurt that she caused him. Well, do you think that she... Yeah, does she really genuinely want to be friends again? And I think so. Yeah, because she is, she is a really sweet person at heart and didn't... You know, I think she her flaw is that she just doesn't always... She's too innocent, you know? Wasn't able to recognize Betty's affections. And Well, you know that the fandom you know, calls her a Disney princess, right? Yes. So, but yeah, I th- I thought she genuinely wanted to try to repair things with Ivan. I wasn't entirely sure if she was being honest when Betty asked her if she's if she still loved Ivan. Do you think she still loves Ivan, or do you think she's moved on? What did she say? I can't remember. She just said something to the effect to the effect of it's it's completely different now, or that was a long time ago. I I, I think it was something along the lines of it's completely different now. My McAndrews feels said that yes, uh, she does not love Ivan anymore. She was just waiting for Kate. That's just Kate me. was waiting for Kate. Kate was waiting. I believe for that Kate Betty. was waiting for Kate. Yes, <laughs> I do. I think. I mean, from what we've seen, Kate really came into her own in mm-hmm. the time between the end of mm-hmm. season two and the beginning of the movie. And I think a lot of that is probably the fact that Ivan did leave her, and mm-hmm. Betty essentially left her to protect her. And I mean, I think maybe to some extent. And I mean, this is sort of me. And Gladys left her. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is sort of me just sort of speculating. But don't you kind of think that maybe the knowledge that somebody loves you enough to do that for you is sort of, I don't want to say confidence boosting, but kind of confidence boosting. Makes you think, wow, I really have an effect on this person to that level. So something in me must have. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying. It's just hard to ret- articulate. Yeah. Right, isn't it? I'm, I'm just kind of... That I'm worthy of that much love. Yeah. Right. Right. Does that... Do you know what I mean? Am I making yeah. any sense? I know what you mean. But why did she stay? Why did she stay in the boarding house and on the line? That was just me and my McAndrews feels, so... Where else was she going to go? I was going to say, I mean, that was... That's a good job? It's, it is a good job, but, you know, she, as she says to... Betty, I'm still here. But can we look at it this way? Her storyline through the two seasons of the TV series was largely about running away. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad she stayed put. Right. This is also character progress that Kate has decided to stay. She's, I mean, she ended season two right before the end of it. She was going to run away with Ivan when she mm-hmm. was in trouble, but but Betty made it so she could stay. So she stayed. Yeah. And she wants to stay. I think the fact that her, you know, Gladys left, Betty left, Ivan left, I I think that, thinking about it now, that probably did really help her come into her own as a person. She couldn't lean on the people she'd always leaned on, and she really had to figure things out for herself. And and I do think that helped create the newfound confidence we see in her in the the movie. Right. But still having, like... Mrs. Corbett around and Vera and stuff. So yeah, Yeah, she wasn't completely abandoned, but for sure she was always much closer to, to Gladys and to Betty, of course. Right. And still being prudent enough to, well, as you say, I've got a good job. These are, and I have a talent to which I can also showcase and potentially support myself. I don't know if she made any money singing, but yeah, so she's going to use her skills to, you know, figure out what she really wants to do. And by the end she says, yes, I want to sing. So she's confident enough to say that to Betty 
and say, this is what I want to do. And also live with you. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> and of course, she came to the conclusion that she wanted to sing because of the Firefly bombing. And, you know, that sort of up-close experience with an explosive made her realize that she feels like she has blood on her hands and she doesn't want to do that anymore. Which, I mean, that makes sense to me, too. Well, when she said that line, I was, like, wondering if she was falling back into her what she had been raised by her very strict religious upbringing. And I I thought for a minute she was going to run away from everything again and just have that very loaded religious guilt of, you know, she says to Betty before she runs away in the first season, I smoke, I drink, I make things that kill people, I shouldn't be here kind of type thing. So I thought she was going to do that and run away, but instead she didn't. So that was kind of a relief that she instead says, I want to sing. I really loved that scene where Kate talks about having feeling like she has blood on her hands. And by the way, I would love to look that fantastic when I was in the hospital. I thought like I Kate looked the best when she was in the hospital. I'm like, wow, you look so beautiful right now. <laughs> Actually, can, hair, can we talk about this for a second? Sure. Why was she in the hospital still? Everybody else seemed to have been discharged. Everybody else was bloodier than Kate was <laughs> when they went in. Lorna's limping around and getting fired and yeah. I don't know. She had a concussion. That's a good point. Maybe she had concussion or internal bleeding or something. I mean, that's like the that. only thing I can come up with. Logically, it. I mean, it makes sense. She was standing closer to Ivan than the others were when mm-hmm. the thing exploded. But how is it that she doesn't even have a scratch on her that we can <laughs> they see? They were keeping her for observation. She had a lump on the back she of her head. Gorgeous. <laughs> she looks gorgeous. She's all she's all flawless and everything, and her and hair is done. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, the suspension of disbelief. But yeah, I, I, I'd I buy that she had a concussion or, or something, you know, something, but maybe she had like, you know, massive bruising underneath the gown. I don't know. But yeah, there we go. Yeah. Concussion but she looked and massive great. bruising. She looked fantastic, but she see. had a concussion and, and massive bruising. Yeah, some bruised ribs or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I loved that scene where she talked about feeling like she had blood on her hands. I thought Charlotte Heckley was really great in that scene. She was. Well, I was just mad at Helen because she was the one who told Kate, oh, you're the reason Ivan's dead and because you were the last one to talk to him and he wouldn't leave because of you. And I was like, Helen, you, you know, I was just mad at her because that was the way her grief was directed. And then that's what drove Kate to say, well, we make things that kill people. You know, I have blood on my hands, you have blood on your hands, Betty. And I thought that was kind of cruel to say to Betty, but I don't know. I mean, it's true, but again, I just thought it would send Kate into a tailspin where she would just shrink away from everybody and run off. So I was glad to see that didn't happen. Again, I think if it was the old Kate, it might have. Mm. Yeah. But with this time that's passed, I, I, I think it's further proof that she's really come into her own. Yes, so that was that was good. But yes, she's going to sing, and Betty's going to buy all her records, and I yep. would too. I would too. Yes, that's all Charlotte Higley singing, and she's gorgeous, and looks gorgeous in a hospital gown, and sings like that, and I'm like, ugh. Some actresses, they just have gazillion loads of talent, so I wish her well. Whenever I watch scenes in Bomb Girls where they have 
Kate singing and then they have montages of, of other characters or even characters around her. I always in those scenes think that's what Glee wishes it could do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Glee fan, but I, I, I get the sentiment. Because those scenes are so simple. It's just her singing by herself most of the time, but they're so powerful without being too emotionally manipulative. And I, I really love what Charlotte brings to the role in regards to her singing and her voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just simple cuts, and it's all, again, it's all without dialogue with the actors, and it's just it's such a great, incredible team of talent that they have there. So, yeah. Thinking about it right now might be making me tear up. I'm I'm not going to confirm or deny, but it could be. It could be. I'm sure it will on a second viewing for me. By the way, I'm very freshly off of having watched this since I finished about 20 minutes before this podcast. So, I did really enjoy seeing the the seduction scene between between Kate and Davis. I, I again, I just I feel like that's we're seeing Kate really come into her own to be confident enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and comfortable enough to do that. I don't, I don't think no. the Kate we knew, especially the first season and not even in the second season would have been able to pull that off. It's true. Right. Although this is me freaking out going, Davis, wait a minute. And, and, you know, he was crafty enough to not know. He, he didn't believe her. And I was just like, Davis, you better not try anything. But Kate's still trying to work him, you know, and, and trying to convince him to stay or to reveal his secrets. So yeah, as you say, Stephanie, it's, Definitely a side of Kate we haven't seen before. Were you as antsy about it as Betty was? Yes. <laughs> but I heart protective Betty, I really do. And the hug afterwards, I was just... <clears throat> so yeah, let's talk about Betty. Poor post-prison boxing Betty. <laughs> I loved the boxing scenes. I thought that was a brilliant idea for her character. Well, yes. I wonder... I have to and wonder... And it keeps the recurring image of Betty getting, getting hit in the face. <laughs> I was going to say, you and I <laughs> talked about this once, that Betty... I think more than any other character ends up getting herself in fights or in the series. Yeah. She's been hit in the face or, or something like that, at least like three times during the course of the series, if not more. Well, well, with the Betty storyline, all I had in my head was, I think it's Chris who used to always say to me, Betty, I just want to give her a hug. And I just wanted to give her a hug the whole time again. I do say that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And, oh, the, the scene in the uh, in the locker room when she's talking to Gladys and Gladys Gladys throws out you know her trump card when she says that uh, Kate thinks that you don't want to see her because she thinks you hate her and her face and I'm just like ah, Betty. I was gonna say that's the thing Ellie Lieber <laughs> yeah. keeps doing that thing with her face and it always makes me want to hug her yeah I know and it just makes you want to cry and I'm yeah. like stop it Allie Lieber so <laughs> never stop it Allie Lieber <laughs> because Chris thrives on it. She thrives on the angst, and so do I, I admit. Yeah, it, watching Bomb Girls is just 18 episodes worth of me wanting to give Betty McRae a hug. And then now this movie is pretty much just an hour and a half of me wanting to give Betty McRae a hug. She's I want just, to give them all hugs, to be too. fair. I'm, but Betty the most. I primarily want to hug Betty. <laughs> I know you guys do. I primarily I know, want Betty and Kate to hug and be happy together with their house. also hug Kate in this movie. I would hug Kate quite a bit in this movie. But Betty primarily. I just want them to hug. <laughs> give them hugs and give give Gladys dating advice, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. In fact, I would actually advise Gladys to maybe date Betty. I actually think Gladys would make a kick-ass lesbian. Yeah, she would. 
According to the internet, you're not the only one. (laughs) There are lots of people. There's there's a whole subset of McWitham shippers. Really? Oh, God. Did you not know? Wow. No. No. But I, I'm I'm kidding, by the way. Gladys is straight, and I'm and that's fine. But I, I I actually think that that Gladys would make a pretty awesome lady lover if she pursued that. It's fine, Gladys. <laughs> Stephanie likes you anyway. I do. I like you, even though you're straight, Gladys. It's okay. I accept you. But yeah, I loved the I loved the idea of having Betty be a boxer, and it was great seeing the boxing scenes. Allie Liebert said when she was answering questions about the movie on Twitter that those were some of the hardest scenes to shoot, and I can see why, especially if you're not a boxer. Mm-hmm. She did it. Yeah, she she did do a convincing job as a yeah. boxer. And again, mm-hmm. you know, Betty always getting into fights. It's a logical character progression. Yes. That she'd oh. make her money taking hits. <laughs> and then another Marco moment that I really loved was when he showed up at her fight with his $600 he'd been saving for a lawyer. I know. And I was, was like, like, here. It's going to bet it all. You, If you don't compromise your values and just win the fight fair and square look how much money you can make. I was like, oh, Marco, I love you so much. <laughs> and and Betty, of course, has the response of, you know, well, how do you know I'm going to win? <laughs> so I like that, that, you know, Vera says you're a champ. <laughs> yeah, Vera would that say that. And gave her all the fuel yeah. she needed. Yeah. This show gives me lots and lots of feelings. So I had a question about the boxing. Is it historically accurate that women would have done that in the 40s to make money? I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know for sure, but I would not be surprised with all the men overseas if female boxing became more of a thing during World War yeah, II. Yeah, kind of like an underground thing. And yeah, I, I did see a picture somebody posted. I think after they started releasing movie stills, mm-hmm. there was a post. I think it might have been Save Bomb Girls posted a picture of women boxing. I think it was either in the forties or fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought again that was a cool thing for Betty to do. I mean, but uh, for her to still have her dream of her house and to have that continuity um, was really cool. Right. She is always getting in the face, so why not get paid for it? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then how she says she can't go back to the factory, not because she, not just because of the shame, but because she doesn't want to face Kate. So she always gets in the way of herself, you know? And she always says, she always gives Kate an out going, well, do you still love Ivan? Or, well, I'll just stick with you until you find a guy, despite the fact that she still obviously loves Kate. Does she say that she doesn't want to face Kate? Mm, Not in so many words, but, you know. I don't remember. Okay, I might have paraphrased that. But, you know, she just says she can't go back there. But she doesn't go back until Gladys mentions that Kate Kate thinks that she hates her. So it's like, that's the way to get her back. But I love that scene between Kate and Betty when they first meet up and Kate or Betty tells Kate, you know, I'm going back to the factory today. I just wanted to tell you first, but still she put herself in a boarding house all the way across town or in a place all the way across town because she said it's it's better this way because Betty's being Betty. She's trying to protect herself from any potential harm of being too close to Kate and yet not being able to have her. So Somebody pointed out that the scene of them going back to the factory for the first time, or Betty going back to the factory for the first time, it's Kate who is in front of Betty sort of confidently striding inside, and mm-hmm. Betty looks really hesitant. He- Betty Betty looks like she's kind of freaking out a little bit. Yeah. 
Which is sort of a nice role reversal from yeah. mm-hmm. like yeah. the first season. Exactly. It was nice to see Kate being protective of Betty. Mm-hmm. Though, okay, I do have a question, though. I c- didn't really understand why Betty confessing to the accident in regards to Kate's father, why that me- meant that everybody now thought that they were uh, were like lovers or what have you. Was it that... Did th- but I guess I thought there was two separate issues just because we're oh, got around. I think they- probably it was having to do with the letter, right? Yeah, one would assume that her father said. Any- okay, I mean that's the closest thing that there is to evidence in that regard. Well, and, and gossip would have gotten around anyway. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, there's yeah. no other source for that gossip necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I, unless I guess it's I, just I, rampant weird speculation. Okay, so I figured that out for myself. Go me. And <laughs> just needed to talk it out. <laughs> it's fine, I understand. Yeah. But it, you know, it was it was difficult to see Betty coming back to the factory and being confronted with the same type of hostility and kind of homophobia mm-hmm. that we saw her having to deal with during during the series. Right. Yeah. But I you know, I like that each time that it happens, her friends are sort of rally around her. Mm-hmm. And that as much as she wants to punch Donald, you know, they keep her from doing something that would get her fired or, you know, worse. But but, but Betty is as scared as she is to go back there and hesitant. She still stands up for herself, you know. Meanwhile, how has Donald not gotten himself fired at this point? <laughs> or killed right? with, a, with a pen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Leon didn't hit, Leon just didn't hit him hard enough with that shovel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Hit him again, Leon. <laughs> Hit him again. Jeez, first it's Annie, who's like, I wish Gladys had shot somebody, and Lorna had slapped Talon, and now you're... Hit him again, Leon. <laughs> you too. We're having a violent... Wow. We're having a uh, wishfully violent podcast here. That was a pretty cathartic moment, though, in the series, right? When Leon yes. hits him with the it's shovel. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was so relieved when that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seriously, hit him again. <laughs> well, maybe if they make another movie, someone will hit him. It'll be Betty. How dare you try to hurt Kate? <laughs> Speaking anyway. of that, I really, really... Oh, my McAndrews feels. I loved uh, the protective Betty. It's like, she'll be keeping herself away from Kate and be saying, I'm living <laughs> on the other side. move in with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. She'll be like, okay, yes, I'm living on the other side of town, and I'll just stay with you until find a good guy or whatever but then the explosion happens and we see her running in after kate you know after (laughs) in slow-mo and i'm like uh yeah then your real feelings will come out once your lady's in danger so um i mean why wouldn't she annie they're best friends friends yeah not to me and lots of other people like me but that's just me so i have to be the documents and the mcandrew shipper so i'm just a shipper i'm just a humble shipper but I did love, I was so happy when she got her house at the end and they wrapped that storyline up and then just said, you know, if they move in, you know, that's great. And she can buy all her records and that, you know, they seem to have resolved their, any awkwardness between Kate and Betty and that they would be comfortable doing that and living together. So many fanfic ideas percolating in my head. That's all I'm going to say. But I thought that Betty and Kate had some really lovely scenes together. And I just, I really love the 
the love that they have for each other, even because I feel like Kate does love Betty, even if it's not a romantic love. She has a great deal of affection for Betty and they really feel like they're home to each other in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I like this idea of them actually having a home together. It makes me feel all warm and fuzzy and safe inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the scene where Betty is so frustrated and she's telling Kate, well, here's my dream, you know, and she shows her the pamphlet. She goes, I still can't get the loan. I still can't do anything. And Kate is still telling her or reassuring her. And I, I just thought that was a great scene where they work really well together. And, um, you know, you see that love and that friendship between them. But I, I admit I do worry about Betty. I, I love her being protective and wanting to make sure that Kate is okay after going through such a physical and emotional trauma and, and you know, wanting to, her to move in with her in, in the house. But I do worry that Kate will never requite Betty's love and she'll just end up sort of sad and hope heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. See, I, mm, I don't know... But it seems like, at least in the series, in the second season, they sort of made moves to alter their relationship in some ways, since Betty had the relationship with Teresa Teresa. and Mm -hmm. Kate had the relationship with Ivan. They really sort of came to a place of it not being so... Tense. Tense that way. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I just I wor I worry that Bad- Betty might like backslide a little bit from the progress that she made in season two. That's just totally me projecting and being worried about my character that I like. <laughs> but but I, I like I do like the idea of them moving in together and and that makes me happy. But I do worry about Betty a little bit. <laughs> right, and I understand. I'm just trying to convey that Betty has been able to move on previously. So should right. she need to? I think she can. I, I think. I hope, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I have faith in them and everything. I think <laughs> it's. Well, yeah, I think it's a great. And then Annie sturdy- says, no, they don't up. need to move on. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I mean, as far as where this, where they are when it ends, I think that's, you know, they, they can live together. They can be happy together with the way they are, as you say, and still have that really close friendship and. Hopefully it will remain that way no matter what happens. And this might be an unpopular opinion, but I really like that they left it kind of ambiguous. Me too. That relationship. I know Stephanie doesn't think it's ambiguous, but... I don't think it's ambiguous. I mean, I don't want the friendship to be ambiguous. I want it to be more than ambiguous, but... That doesn't um, make sense. <laughs> I want it to be a, more than a friendship, okay? But That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> But I think where it, where it is is for the series. It's the best place they could have left it. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is one of those things. As is, it's sort of open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So God forbid this being the last Bomb Girls thing. At least it's it's open to being interpreted in fan fiction, as you say. <laughs> However, you want to take it. Apparently, look for Annie's upcoming fanfic for Bomb Girls. <laughs> If you're a McAndrews fan. Yes. Do you think it's that way for all the characters? That their storylines are left so that the very could easily be picked up for, you know, as the fans want, you know, more movies, more of a series, that everything is left open in a sense. Except for poor Vera. But we came up with the solution who, for Vera. Actually, no, who has been picked up by a Canadian shipping boat, so never mind. <laughs> yes. So uh, what do you guys think about that? 
I do think the the movie left it more resolved than the end of season two did. Mm-hmm. But but I think they could very easily pick up the storylines where they left them. They didn't wrap everything up in a neat little bow. Yes. Right. They did sort of resolve some long-running issues, like Betty getting her house, and mm-hmm. the fact that Marco has joined the army. and But they still, you know, started threads that they could continue. Yeah. Right. Although I'm I'm vaguely concerned for some reason about Gladys going overseas. Mm-hmm. Me too. But she has to come back at some point, right? So yeah, they, that can be fixed too. So watch her come back with another man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or if there's another TV movie, Gladys is still overseas, and we get to see her like hanging out with Teresa or something. <laughs> <laughs> so. What are you? Uh, uh, wait. What's the Teresa and Gladys shipper name? With Bond. <laughs> with Bond. So you're a with Bond shipper now? No, no. <laughs> and then, and Stephanie thinks, well, maybe. <laughs> I honestly ship no one on on Bomb Girls. I'm, I don't really have a a couple or, or anything that I ship on Bomb Girls. So she Stephanie says. says, wait, let's see how much chemistry they have. <laughs> I'm kidding. They didn't didn't really have scenes together, did they? So it's possible. But they could in an upcoming movie or series. They did have that that sexy scene over the spatula. (laughs) I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. You guys don't even know what I'm talking about. That's right. Yes, I do. Okay. I forgot about that moment. No, I still don't chip them. (laughs) I just like the the sexy spatula talk. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. With Bond. I like it. So yeah, I think they totally could very easily pick up where this one li- leaves off. Though, yeah, it, there is sort of the, well, would Gladys be around? Would Marco be around? Because of mm-hmm. them both going overseas for various reasons. No. Marco's back on a Bond tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they could always ride him back in. Solving all the problems right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wo- wounded, but not gravely, in action and sent home. Yeah. No. <laughs> there you go. And then uh, Vera shows up dripping wet, but still fine. <laughs> Fresh off the Canadian fishing boat that picked her up. <laughs> the girls will take her and hose her off, and she'll be fine. Give her some tea and crumpets. And she'll be good. Uh, some maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a steak. Vera likes steak. Oh, okay. Oh, and yeah, that's true. So yeah, lots of lots of ideas and thoughts and feelings about the the TV movie. I still would love to see Bomb Girls come back again with another TV movie or to get picked up by Netflix. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed the movie and I would love to see more of these characters. I really love these characters. I think as a whole this series and this movie and this production team and these actors, they create such a fabulous product. You know, how can anybody who watches it not want more? I just, the same. I would really love more. And uh, as a side note, I do live like 20 minutes away from the Netflix headquarters. So I was joking during the Save Bomb Girls day when people were retweeting it. I said, wait, I live there. I can go there and like get a little Canadian flag and write Save Bomb Girls on it and wave it around and go to the front entrance <laughs> and, and make my steak for that and then drive off before security gets me. So... Um, <laughs> Maybe you can get the uh, Save Bomb Girls people to send you one of those 
the bandanas Keep yeah. and, bandanas. and like yeah, yeah. fly it from your car yeah <laughs> <laughs> just as you drive past netflix as i drive through the visitor uh parking lot yeah we'll okay also i'll do get that. you a bullhorn so that you can roll s- down your window <laughs> <laughs> attach the bandana to it we can make a banner and stick it on the side of your car yeah, and you okay. just circle netflix <laughs> netflix save bomb girls now the world needs you to save bomb girls. That's what I will do. But don't be Hitler's helper. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts about the movie. If you if you enjoyed it, if you didn't enjoy it, what you did enjoy, what you didn't enjoy, we would love to hear your thoughts and you can you can send us those comments in a lot of ways. You can go and leave a comment over our on our, our website for the show notes for this episode, which is at thebombgirlsbeacon.tumblr.com. You can send us an email to bombgirls at drinkswiththedoll.com. Doll is spelled D-A-L. Or you can call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. You can also get updates on the podcast by following me on Twitter at ChrisGen, which is K-R-I-S-G-E-N. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Chris. And I'm Annie. And I'm Stephanie. And we'll see you next shift.